0: Hey, what's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 59, and we're going to finish Numbers, chapters 34 through 36. The last thing we looked at yesterday was Moses going over the history of Israel because you can't know where you're going till you know where you've been. Moses has to teach Israel, you must learn well from your history in order not to repeat it. And so he's taught the second generation well, they're on the plains of Moab. They're about to enter the promised land. Basically, chapter 34 is how you divide the land. Let's look at some of it. Verse one, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the sons of Israel and say to them, when you enter the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance, even the land of Canaan, according to its borders. Your southern sector shall extend from the wilderness of Zan, along the side of Eden, and your southern border shall extend from the wall of the Salt Sea eastward. Then your border shall turn direction. As for your western border, you shall have the Great Sea, that is, its coastline, and it shall be your west border. And you shall have the north border, and you shall draw a borderline from the Great Sea to Mount Hor. And this is almost like a title deed with God being the grantor and Israel being the grantee of this land. And they are to divide it exactly like God says it should be divided. But one thing I want you to notice, look at what we covered yesterday in verse 13. It says, so Moses commanded the sons of Israel saying, this is the land that you are to apportion by lot among you as a possession, which the Lord has commanded to give to the nine and a half tribes. Why nine and a half? Verse 14, for the tribes of the sons of Reuben have received theirs according to their father's household and the tribe of the sons of Gad, according to their father's household and the half tribe of Manasseh have received their position. The two and a half tribes have received their position across the Jordan opposite of Jericho, eastward from the sun rising. And so remember, They wanted that land that was not in a promised land east of Jordan. It stuck out to them. It was appealing to their eye and a God allows them to have it. So your borders are divided in verse 34. And so what you want to look for in Joshua to see how much of this they actually accomplish, how much of it they're able actually to take. And that'll tell you how obedient this second generation is. And honestly, they do really well. They get a lot of this land, but sadly, they fall short. They fall short. We're going to see a critical mistake made with the Gibeonites, and it's just going to go downhill from there. But let's look at some more of how the land should be divided in verse 35. So verse 35 talks about the city of the Levites. Remember, they'll be scattered just like God promised. It says that in verse 2 that the Levites, the inheritance of their possession cities to live in, And you shall give to the Levites pasture lands around the cities. And verse 4 gives those dimensions. The pasture lands of the cities, which you shall give to the Levites, shall extend from the wall of the city outwards a thousand cubits around. You shall also measure around the city on the east side two thousand cubits, and on the south side two thousand cubits, and on the west side two thousand cubits and on the north side, 2,000 cubits, with the city in the center. And verse 6 is going to bring something else in. these cities which you shall give the Levites shall be six cities of refuge, which you shall give for a manslayer to flee to. And in addition to them, you shall give 42 cities. And so this is a total of 48 cities that are dedicated to the Levites. But six of those cities are what's called refuge cities. So basically what a refuge city is, If there's ever a murder through manslaughter, the person could flee to these cities until they had their trial. And the reason you wanted to do this is because think about how the other family members would feel if you slaughtered somebody in their family. Their desire for a vengeance would be hot. They would immediately want to act on it. So God is wise. He's saying, I'm going to dedicate these cities so these people can flee to we see that concept. You remember back with Jacob and Esau and after Jacob stole the blessing, Rebecca told him, Hey, get out of here, run. The anger of your brother is hot and he wants to kill you. Now there wasn't a murder there, but it's the same concept. Get him away until Esau's anger can cool down. And that's exactly what happened when Jacob was coming back. We saw all of the attention there. He didn't know this. Esau's disposition had completely changed regarding Jacob. And so this is the purpose of these refuge cities. In verse 12, it says that the city shall be to you a refuge from the avenger so that the manslayer will not die until he stands before the congregation for trial. And in the rest of this chapter, you get, since the topic of discussion opened up on how to deal with the manslayer, the rest of this chapter talks about how you deal with a murderer. And lastly, in chapter 36, Zelophehad's daughters come back up. God honors them. They get their requests, and the Lord deals with them here in this chapter. And this is basically how Numbers ends. And it may be odd to you, but it's really beautiful. God ends the book around people who are concerned about the things he's concerned about. Remember, Zelophehad's daughters wanted their part in the land because their father died in the wilderness but he wasn't associated with Dathan and Abiram's and Korah's rebellion. And God looked out for him. Look at this. It says in verse 2, The Lord commanded my Lord to give the land by lot to the sons of Israel as an inheritance. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give an inheritance to Zelophehad, our brother and his daughters. But if they marry one of the sons of another tribe of Israel, their inheritance will be withdrawn for them. And that makes sense. Since we're dividing the borders based on tribes, if these daughters choose to marry outside of their tribe, they forfeit their ability to receive the land. In verse five, then Moses commanded the sons of Israel, according to the word of the Lord saying the tribe of the sons of Joseph are right in their statements. And I think I need to make a statement about that. Remember, there's no tribe of Joseph. He has a double portion in Ephraim and Manasseh. But sometimes Moses uses that interchangeably, which should help remind you that these tribes flow from Joseph. Those are the double portion that his father Israel blessed him with. And so sometimes you'll see that Ephraim and Manasseh used interchangeably with the tribe of Joseph. So just don't let that throw you off because it would have thrown me off. And I, I try to look out for you with things that may trip me up. So you don't have those same stumbling blocks. In verse 10, look at how this ends. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, so the daughter of Zelophehaz did. In verse 13, these are the commandments and the ordinances which the Lord commanded to the sons of Israel through Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho. And this is where they are. This is why we get what we get. The plains of Moab is where All of this material is being written, our first five books of the Bible. And now we're about to enter some of the most potent theology there is in the Old Testament. You say, why do you say that? Think about it. We just took three books to build out the law. Deuteronomy is going to summarize the entire law for the second generation in one book. No wonder Jesus used this when he combats Satan in Matthew 4. You get condensed, deep theology. It reminds me of Romans. You know how Romans is basically a systematic theology book? It's so much high, deep theology, compact in one book. And think about why is that book like that? Because Paul had never met the Romans. He had never been to Rome. He wanted to get there. And so he writes them a book as if he had to disciple them in one shot. He wants them to learn everything from this book. And so that's what Deuteronomy is. Moses is trying to teach Israel everything in one book, which is why this book is so potent and Jesus defeats Satan with it in the wilderness in Matthew 4. So let's learn this book. It's so much that we can get from it. But also let's remember how Numbers ends. God ends talking about people who were concerned about the things he's concerned about. And with that being said, let's end on a proper note With James 4, it says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members. You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot attain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? And this is how we must end this book. God does not want this type of spirit. He doesn't want us asking things in the flesh just to spend it on our own pleasures. He wants us asking things according to his will, and he'll bless that type of person, which is why he ends numbers the way he ends it. And so my encouragement to you is don't get behind yourself. You don't need any more self-love. You don't need any more self-help. We all need God help. We need God to get behind us and support us. But he's never going to support a man that is not committed to his glory. And he's taught us how to commit to his glory. And he shows he will strongly support a person who commits to doing that. So let's continue to commit to the glory of God, mainly by seeking Him through His Word. And there we shall live life quorum deo before the face of God. You guys take care. Yeah.